You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. And I'm going to say this. I say this every episode. I'm really excited for this one because it's something that, I don't know, I think I've kind of, when I came to Oklahoma and anyone who's listening to this that probably went to SNU is probably thinking you probably shouldn't have done that while you were at SNU. And you're right, I wouldn't have if someone would have found out I was out at the nightclubs having a good time. Uh, (laughs) I probably would have got, you know, kicked out of school. But I think at the time that I came to school and was going out kind of early 2010, 11, 12, 13, the downtown music scene, downtown nightclub scene was kind of just making its way I guess kind of turning into something and the man I have sat across from me is definitely making waves in this scene so without further ado I'd like to introduce to the podcast Mr. Jalen Dorsey yes sir also known as DJ Lightbright that's correct um appreciate your time mate thanks so much I'm so glad that we are here we have been trying to get our schedules to align for this opportunity so I appreciate your flexibility and uh, diligence in getting this set up. Always, yeah. Like I said, we, you know, we're trying to get it done, and then I ran into you at when Snoop was in town. Yes, I was like, no way, I gotta go say hi. Yes, uh, and then when well, what was that? Like four or five months ago, mm-hmm. maybe longer than that. Uh, which was amazing, by the way. That it needs to be done again. I, that whole like just whoever it doesn't have to be Snoop. It could be anybody. I agree. On a stage, I can top say off. with confidence that it is actively being planned for Good. another event, but it is figuring out who what the people want, who it can be. Yeah. And so it could be anyone. I, I think the same thing. I think yeah. the concept was brilliant. I think you're in a large place like Top Golf. Yeah. You have the field and the VIP experience. Super that cool. was so cool. Uh, but no, you had a great time there, obviously. And, you know, and in, in playing at, I guess, probably the first person to play that in front of everybody, right? Yes. It was just such a cool experience. But Definitely. Um, how's things been at the moment? What have you been up to? I have been just really adjusting, uh, getting myself ready for a new addition to my life. I have a family of three that's about to grow to four, five. We, are, we already have a dog, so I guess family of four. Yeah. And then we're about to grow to five, our, our fourth human addition to the family. And um, it's, it's a really awesome time. My DJ uh, run of the spring and summer and fall is going to kind of slow down a bit. And it plans out perfect for me to transition into that moment. So that's what's coming up really in the next about month or so, finishing up some weddings, getting a little bit of planning done for 2020, but getting ready to just go full force dad mode. Got you. So is this time like in, because between, I guess, now, end of summer and Christmas, is is it kind of a quiet period? It is. It's both. It's quiet and it's hectic. So you have kind of a lull when school starts. Like you have a lot of focus on education, you know, getting back in the realm and then you have parties and all of those campus things. Yeah. And then essentially after was the last holiday at the end of August or Labor Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is a big weekend. People like go to their last weekend on the lake and then September and October have a good run because of football season. You get a lot of going out and so you get events based around that. You get a lot of camaraderie. Yeah. Then as you get to about Halloween, we get to slow down. Halloween is typically the last big hoorah and then and the pace is slowed down because you have a lot of college kids getting ready for finals, yeah. getting ready for that last bit. Um, corporate parties are getting ready to gear up for the holidays, but 
it's getting cold. People are like, eh, yeah. we're either going to be inside or we really, really have to want to go out to, to get right. out and move. And so that's about the time that it slows down in November. But gosh, the heat doesn't stop people. And when it gets cooler, people really get excited. It's about the cold weather that stops them. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. December is yeah. when it sides down. Yeah. And then obviously, you got, like I said, you have Christmas parties, all the rest of yes. it you got into. And then I guess some probably roll into January because people have got to do their Christmas parties. Yeah, of course. Regardless of when of it course. is. Uh, does it kind of turn down then in like end of January, yes, February? January is really different. It okay. is essentially the... Everyone, I mean, it was like, hey, we just spent all of our money for our budget, speaking from the corporate side of things, the business side of things. Um, And then the other part of it is getting ready for back to school parents and the college students and whatnot. And so that allows it to really have that, okay. New Year's Eve was a big event. It's a big night. Yeah. Let's just let's just take a couple of weeks to just recoup. Get back focused. It's a new year. Yeah. Let's go. Well, that'll be fun. Like I said, when you have the little one around, like that's going to be your, like, you know, not that you won't already, but still, I'm sure you could really, like, apply it, I guess, all the time that you have and just enjoy it. Right? Definitely. Definitely. Um, and do all your planning now so you don't have to worry about exactly. planning. Like, when am I going on stage next? Exactly. Uh, but before, you know, I mean, obviously, like, you know, everyone who's been out or even follows Fastler on, on Instagram or whatever it is will know who you are. Um, but where did this all start? Because you graduated from Southwestern, right? Correct. I graduated from Southwestern in 2016. Okay. And I would go ahead and put a stamp on this DJ career starting in about 2014. I'd been DJing since 2010, 2011. When I got to school in 2011, 2012, I was just kind of DJing house parties. Okay. Uh, but 2014, I got my first opportunity at a local bar out in Weatherford, Oklahoma. For those listening, if you know JC Cowboys, great run out there in Weatherford for a very long time, 35 years, I believe is how long they were open. Yeah. I was on the tail end of that and it was it was a really great time. So that was my first residency in DJ terms for those who don't know. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, if you're at a job, it's, it's your job. It's the place where you will consistently be performing in nightlife. And um, I had a lot of opportunities to then move into Oklahoma City. My wife and I and our family, we moved to Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And that transition happened there. And the steam kind of picked up. So to recap, I began DJing in 2010. But my nightlife and kind of influence in that culture started in about 2014. Gotcha. And then my Fastler opportunity came in 2018. Yeah. So the moment that I had been wanting, the Fastler Hall, the 1,300 people at any given time on a weekend night, yeah. you know, it took eight years yeah. to happen. Right. But it was an incredible eight years leading up to that moment that, is, that prepped yeah. me for that. So it's yeah. like kind of different moments where kind of my career restarted or, or kind of hit new... Um, Open doors, new opportunities, Correct. and you've just jumped at every opportunity you've had exactly. and, and obviously proven to the people who have given you that opportunity. Like, yes. You know, and once you have a good track record, it just makes it a lot easier. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, how? Why did you go to Southwestern? So it was basketball that brought me there. Okay. I was a uh, prep athlete in, in high school and wanted to continue playing in college. Didn't have the athletic ability to play at the highest level, and mm-hmm. I knew that, but yeah. definitely wanted to play at a level that was extremely competitive, which not discrediting any level of, of collegiate athletics right. because if you can even step out of prep and go play 
that's yeah. something. And get um, possibly a scholarship and all yes, the rest of it. Yes, yeah. and it, it paid for college. And yeah. I was the first of my core family to go to a four-year school. So it was really important that I go get that education. Yeah. And basketball took me there. Yeah. And I mean, Southwestern, it's a little place out in the middle of Western Oklahoma. And I came from the city in Texas and it was like, holy cow, what is this place? But I love it. Yeah. And it was such a community. And it, I don't regret that decision because in all of the facets of my life, I met my wife there, uh, started my DJ career mm-hmm. there, the DJ career. Yeah. Um, and then just met so many, so many wonderful people. Yeah. And that stadium's so cool for such a small town to yes. have like that arena that they have. It is. Like, I, I've been up there and watched games. I'm like, this is how where they play. Are you kidding me? This yes. is all, this is so good. And I thought SNU. I, I graduate from SNU, so I thought that SNU's place was really cool. And I love that gym too. Yeah. It, it it has a really cool feel. That bowl, and right. then there's everything else around it, and it just feels like you're kind of one with the audience mm-hmm. that you're playing in front of. It's incredible. Yeah. I love stadiums like that. And you said just now you're from Texas, right? Yes. So yes. what was growing up like? Was music always in your life growing up? So as a kid, uh, a lot of the music that I listened to was old school funk, everything from 70s to 80s to 90s. My parents, my mom more specifically was like not about the new age music. She okay. was more so uh, very musically inclined in 70s and 80s and 90s. So I spent a lot of time with her, riding to the store, going wherever, going to games, and she was playing that music. So I grew a very uh, strong fond for, like I said, the soul, the yeah. funk, the disco, the R&B from that era. And then my dad on the flip side, he's like, yeah, the music, like I love the same music that your mom likes, but I am more current hip hop. I am more 90s hip hop. And my dad liked 80s electronic music and that was super interesting something that I never really paid attention to until I was more so like a late teen early adult I'm like I have this strange infatuation with electronic music and just kind of analyzing it and seeing that my dad loved electronic music and my mom thought it was weird and I love electronic music and my wife thinks it's weird so it it, (laughs) it falls in line that I'm that I'm right there you know on track with the influences that I got from my parents and I listen to a lot of radio I heard a lot of DJs on radio Mm -hmm. and all of that had me really in tune with music. Um, but in that moment, in that time, I never thought about being a DJ. I okay. never thought, Hey, I want to do this as a career. And it was, it was out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. But I just loved music. And I knew that my parents loved music. So, you know, when yeah, your parents love yeah. something, you, you, you typically gravitate towards that. Yeah. So you took that when, you know, when you go to school or whatever, you, you're out in Weatherford and, and you just like naturally, somebody turns to you and is like, knock yourself out if you want to, you know, you, I did it start with like, you're the guy that has the playlist and you just plug your phone in and then does it kind of bro- progress from that? Essentially, yes. The first college party that I went to, um, there were, there was a gentleman on a, like a desktop laptop with some computer speakers plugged in and he had like 20 YouTube tabs pulled up Yeah, and he was like loading songs in and just when one song went in, he'd like fade the volume down and then click to the next tab and fade the volume up. And I'm like, dude, like I have a virtual DJ program on my computer, Yeah, computer speakers. Like I'll just show up to the next part. Let's just plug an aux cord in. And in, I mean, fashion that has proved itself time and time again, the first time it was just, there was just a different energy about it that I was just able to curate that I've learned to really lean on. And 
a lot of people were like, whoa, like he's actually mixing the songs because it just hadn't been done. It was just just play the next. It was just an area that was just, hey, it's just college. We just go to listen to parties. We drink. We just hang out. Yeah. But I was actually mixing the music. And then someone was there and they said, hey, we, we typically do like a little house Halloween party. You know, would you come out and DJ? And I'm like, yeah, can you pay me? <laughs> yeah. And they were like, we got 75 bucks. I'm like, deal. So that was probably three years into my, or I'm sorry, three months into my college experience. And yeah. I got my first like DJ gig. I'm like, hmm, You're like, I can do this. This sounds kind of interesting. And my dad always said, you know, get a hustle in in college, cut hair. Well, I have horrible vision, so I would be <laughs> jacking up everyone's lineups and, yeah. and all of that. But the hustle came from playing music. I was like, oh, okay, let's, yeah. let's try some things I, out. I and I guess when you when you enjoy it so much, it doesn't you know it doesn't feel like work. And it's if you're going to go to those parties anyway, then why not do it and enjoy it and make money and, exactly. and kind of like control the scene, right? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Was parents like, did they kind of have side hustles as well, like growing up? Was that kind of uh, something or was, or was your dad just like, just do something fun and make some money out of it? My dad was was definitely do something fun and, and make some money out of it. I think he saw it as an outlet to just make sure that I stayed out of trouble. Uh, my mom wanted me to stay focused on academics and athletics. Yeah. And I, I super understood that. And my dad the same. Um, but I think he also understood me as a personality, just kind of that male to son connection. Like I know he's going to need to stay busy because yeah. my dad is a busy bee. He works probably 60 hours a week at 52 yeah. uh, because he wants to. Right. Like, no, my mom is not saying we need you. Like, no, he's that's just who a, he is. He's a busy person. So my wife is always the same. She's like, I see that in your dad. And so he put that in me like, you know, just, just have some fun with it, you know, play some yeah. music. I like music. You like music. Do that. And I was like, yeah. Okay. And with you being, you said you're the first person to go to a four year college. Mm -hmm. So was education quite big? Education was big. It was for us, um, you know, being an African-American male, it was you need to have that education right. to make sure that you can compete in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a society that's not set up for you in, in, in a lot of different terms. So you have to be as well equipped as possible. So an interesting bit about it, I went to Southwestern on an athletic scholarship and I was going to be an engineering major and I actually was an engineering major for uh, three, four for three or four semesters. Okay. I struggled. I'm terrible at math. <laughs> so I, bad at it. It was the biggest shock to my system because yeah. growing up, I was like oddly into like civil engineering and architecture. And I like played Sim City more strategic than I think the average person played. I, I wanted to be a city planner. I wanted yeah. to see all these things. And when athletics took me to Southwestern, they had an engineering program, but it wasn't in what I was super interested in, gotcha. but I had kind of thought to myself, if I get in with engineering, I can eventually get to where I want to go. Yeah. And you know, three or four semesters of just very poor grades and almost actually losing an athletic scholarship due to my poor academics. I had to say, okay, I either lose this because of me forcing something yeah. that's not there, or I go find what I really want to do. Mm -hmm. And you know, regain that happiness, regain that focus, and and then start being able to put back into my academics, get my degree, and yeah. then go be productive. Got you. So at that point, when you're making money from doing DJing as well, mm -hmm. what did you turn to? 
it was for me. Well, well, let me clarify. What do you mean by what, like, did I tell? Like what I mean is like, what degree did you go chase after so, that? So, oh, so I went to mass communication. Gotcha. And um, it was actually a discussion that my wife and I had. She said, you know, it's, it's a lot of print. It's a lot of media. It's, it's um, being in front of the camera, being up behind the camera, all of those things. That's all the stuff that you do on social media right now, you know, yeah. social media is really in its, um, in its infancy. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that people weren't ahead of on. Like my wife and I were on Twitter very early. We spent a lot of time on Instagram. Mm -hmm. People made jokes a lot of the time. Like, Oh, you're just on social media a lot. But that was the time yeah. spent understanding how social media works and understanding the connectivity of it. So knowing that I could get into mass communication and learn um, essentially how to kind of brand myself and yeah. run my business through social media. It's the new website. Right. Um, that would be a leg up moving forward. If music was what I wanted to do. And that was 2013. I still hadn't decided that I wanted to DJ just gotcha. yet. Still just kind of doing a few things here and there. Just interested in music. Yeah. So when did you decide that music was a thing for you? In 2014, uh, the month was July. I think the date was like the 27th. And I had actually just played a pickup basketball game with my teammates and I had gotten knocked out, had a concussion. Yeah. And it was my second concussion that year. And I'd had a rough into my junior season. Um, and it kind of got to a point where I was like, is this what I want to carry into my senior year? I'm DJing, I'm having success. The athletics, they're there, but am I going to go play at the next level after right. this? No. Right. And, and, and meaning that you like a lot of guys, especially the guys that were like D2 basketball, that's new. They have you've all got to go overseas. Correct. There's no way it's going to happen in the States. It's they go very... to Europe and, and try it there. Right. Exactly. And just, you know, being transparent, my wife being transparent with everyone and then being trans, my wife being transparent with me going to Europe or trying to pursue professional ball would be very hard on the family. Yeah. So that was something that we didn't even want to touch. And so I started looking around I'm like, okay, well, what am I doing? You know, I could probably try to pursue a mass communication career, mm -hmm. get into PR. But again, at the time, the market in Oklahoma wasn't very broad and, um, in a more progressive sense for marketing and just essentially mass communication jobs were very slim. Yeah. There weren't many, um, forward thinking, social media centered positions that were open for a young 22 year yeah. old coming out of college. So I saw that as well. And I said, well, let's see what we can do with music. And I kind of doubled down a bit, picked up some weddings, did some proms and started mm -hmm. to see some business models that could set me up for a business off of what just was like a college brand name of yeah. DJ Lightbright, you know, maybe we can actually do something. Yeah. Where'd the name come from? So that came from a friend in high school, actually. It's in reference to my skin tone. Uh, I am a light-skinned African-American, and in African-American culture, that's sometimes described as light bright. Okay. So my friend saw me on the first day of school, and she's just a very vocal person, and she was like, you are just very light-skinned. I'd like to call you light bright. And I said, <laughs> well, that's a great first impression of meeting yeah. someone, but sure. And we sat with each other in science class for the entire year and we became really, really good friends. And we still keep up to this day. And she was just like, ah, you're just light bright. Like you're, you're so, you're so fun. You're so energetic. You bring joy to a lot of people. It's more than just your skin tone. And I was like, yeah. Hmm. So that kind of stuck around. And when I got my first gig in college, 
people were like, well, what's your DJ name? And I was like, well, it's Light Bright. Yeah. And they're like, Light Bright? Light Bright? I yeah. had one of those games when I was little. And I'm like, well, now don't nah. forget that's what my name is. Yeah. So it started in high school and just kind of stuck around. And it was unique enough for people to have that association with the actual game from the 80s and 90s. Okay. But it also was more of a translation of my personality and what I bring, I feel like, to the world is is that that light and that bright personality yeah that, that fun so you embraced it from day one then pretty day much as soon as you get they gave you that first gig you're like i know exactly what it is it's already exactly been out there that this is we know you don't have to think about it that's kind of cool though it was super cool yeah because it it's natural cool. it was very natural and that's what i try to instill in in people that i talk to is like follow the natural progression the way that things kind of lay themselves out, if you're putting yourself in good positions to do the things that you want to do, you'll notice things around you guiding you down a certain path. So when things happen, just just kind of embrace it, whether it's a high or a low. Um, and for me, maybe I could have been like, ah, like I'm kind of insulted by that. But I knew that she, from the jump, was coming from a good place. Yeah. And I was like, this is super genuine. That's I like so that. Cool. Let's run with it. Yeah. So you, so, you know, you have this concussion in 2014 mm -hmm. and July 27th, and then... You're like, right, that's, you know, why not? Let's do this. And you get all these, you know, you start really, I guess, marketing yourself and trying to get these gigs and stuff. How long did it take for you to just like, you know, be like, oh, I can actually make like a living out of this? It was a bit hand in hand. I had DJed my first wedding in the spring of 2014. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of July, I had my second wedding and I had like made a like $600. It was like a really big deal. My wife yeah. was like, oh, this is big bread. And I'm like, yes, it is. Yeah. Like we've made it. And I was just kind of thinking to myself, you know, if I'm working at a retail shop making 725, working 40 yeah. hours a week, that equates this amount of money. And I've just done this in four hours or whatever it is. Even it might may not even be that at, on one night. Exactly. Yeah. So how many weddings do I need to have? How many proms do I need to have? How many nights do I need to DJ at JC Cowboys yeah. to, you know, fulfill that? And, and I wasn't only DJing at the time. I was still, you know, working retail well, yeah. Yeah. and, and I was actually working in radio at a local radio station and doing play by play calling. So I was connected in a community that they kind of overlapped in different places. Like right. the retail shop was in the college town. So a lot of my classmates and party goers came to the shop. Yeah. So if it's a Friday night, I'm working at the retail store because I know that I get off at nine o'clock and I go DJ at 11. Well, everyone's at the retail store buying their fit for the night, their yeah. outfits. So you're in there buying your shirt. I'm helping you pick out the shirt. And I'm also telling you, make sure you come out tonight yeah. to the party. Yeah. And then you connect with them because you've already seen them that night and you see them out and you see them on the dance floor or whatever. And like you just build that community around you. Because yes. that's something that I noticed just kind of following you on social media is just like, the community that community that you have and the following that you have, it's very loyal. Yes. Um, even with like just the t-shirts or whatever it is, like yes. and, and, you know, and you, I remember the first time you put the t-shirts out and within a couple of weeks or whatever it was, like okay, like I'm bringing out more colors because you guys are buying yes. them more. Yes. Like that's like the perfect <laughs> example of a loyal following, isn't it? It is. It is, and it's been it's been so just genuine and pure. And my wife and I have both been grateful because our brands are. Two brands that share a lot of things. So so we we share a lot of followers. We mm -hmm. share a lot of um, just similar ideologies. And through that, we've we've intertwined this um, people who follow me and people who follow her and then people that want to kind of know who we are. Yeah. And so 
we've been able to show just through tried and true, just who we are. Right. And, and that has built that loyalty. People are like, oh, we know that we can kind of, we can come to them for inspiration or truth, or they don't sugarcoat things. If, yeah. if there's something that's going on and they feel like sharing it, we know that it'll be 100% what they, what they are saying that it is. And just kind of human nature, when you can trust, you, you gravitate towards and just to kind of get into the social media aspect of it, we know how interactions go on social media. So the certain algorithms are set up for if you like something, yeah. social media will continue to feed what you like or what you gravitate towards. So that has kind of played its part in, yeah. you know, kind of cultivating that. And it's, it's been incredible. Right. And it's free to be on social media and like exactly. use your brain at it exactly. and like really take and it to power. It's free to be a genuine person. Right. And that's one thing that we, you know, in hand in hand. Okay. So we're, we're, we're connecting on social media and we're being ourselves. It's just it's yeah. free as they say in, in pop culture, it's free game. Yeah. You know? So where does the, uh, going towards like back to brand, where's the pineapple come from? <laughs> I, I'm so glad that you asked this. I have probably done a handful, probably six or seven interviews and no one has asked. Yeah. So thank you. You're Mike. welcome. I appreciate it. <laughs> so for those who, who don't know a Pineapple um, is the symbol of hospitality in okay. many cultures, um, more so uh, Southeast Asian cultures and Hawaiian culture. Uh, it, it is a symbol of hospitality. And as an entertainer, I am the hostess with the mostest. Right. So I am the MC, which means master of ceremony. I'm the DJ. I'm the person who's commanding the crowd, keeping the energy going, the flow, all of that. Mm-hmm. As the hospitable person that I am, that pineapple represents that. And gotcha. so, um, I wanted that to be something that people could associate with and it has colors that also kind of associate with me. Like it's yellow. Like I'm like kind of yellow colored. <laughs> so, so, you know, we have this, like, we have this yeah. look and, and, and even kind of a, a funnier bit. I had some friends in college when my, when my dreadlocks were a lot shorter, yeah. I used to wear a very high ponytail and the dreadlocks would stick straight up in the air like the leaves of a pineapple. Like a pineapple. So there was the pineapple and I, and I was, I'm a big fan of pineapples. So yeah. I liked pineapples and I had friends that said, Oh, your head looks like a pineapple. And I'm like, hur, hur, hur. yeah, that's actually that not before. a bad idea. <laughs> and so then we kind of ran with that. And, and then the kind of the fourth element of that was pineapples hit really big in pop culture in 2017 and 2018. Gotcha. So it's like everywhere you looked, there was pineapple stuff. Yeah. So I had a buddy who created a super dope logo that was the basis of my light bright logo now. And Mm -hmm. it had pineapples within it. And it was just, everyone loved it. Put it on a t-shirt. And the next thing I know, every time someone's in a store and they see something with a pineapple, I'm getting a picture, a message. It's like, yo, I saw this pineapple. And I'm like, so now every time that you see a pineapple, you think of me like. It's great. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, So when, so, you know, you get the fast load gig, you said 2018. Mm -hmm. Did you have like the giant like, giant letters at that point or was it just like, I'm just going to go? Actually, before that, tell me about that first time you played Fastler. What was that like? It was absolutely incredible. Yeah. I, I have DJed at Fastler 39 nights. So last night was his 39th night and then um, New Year's Eve will be the 40th. So I'll have That's 40 cool, yeah. nights at yeah. Fastler Hall. And, and I think every single one of them have been memorable and incredible. But that first night... I had already known what was going to happen. Again, like I mentioned earlier, I know that when I do something first, especially with a new crowd, yeah. there's that element of we don't really know what we're going to expect right. from the guests. And me knowing that 
I know exactly what you're going to get because you don't know what to expect. Right. Because so, FASA, like at this, uh, was just like, just kind of a bar or whatever. 100%. It was like a, you know, just come out, hang out, drink. They'll play music over the speakers. Mm-hmm. You can't really hear the music because everyone's talking. It's too loud. Mm-hmm. And I was in there one day and I was in there for like a, you know, after Saturday afternoon or whatever it is. And then they're setting up like this DJ set in the corner and it was inside, like right behind the stairs. And I'm like, hell's going on here this is not like a nightclub spot right and then like you know and i always look back at that because now i see you know you're outside and you get the whole setup in the corner and like a natural dance floor where the ping pong tables used to be and it's just perfect it really is that was an incredible transition a little bit of a backstory that it, it it happened with the thunder basketball um momentum in 2017 and 2018 Fassler had its popularity and Fassler added a DJ to play music during the uh, commercials and halftime break. Shout out to DJ Villain. He is like the pioneer of that. So he was working at Fassler. He kind of pitched that idea. And then Fassler said, okay, well, after the game, we should just play music. And DJ Villain played the music. And so to follow that, it kind of progressed into, well, let's, let's give this thing a shot on the weekends because we already have that many people here on any given night. And so we lead into that first January. And again, me kind of knowing that people gravitate towards here, I'm like, well, I'm just going to kind of play like an open format set. Open format's just everything hip hop, pop, R&B, right. electronic, old school, Latin, like everything that you can find mixed together. Just feel it out. Just feel it out. And I was able to post on social media about it. And, and, and it had been a very long time since I had DJed in a bar. The last time I DJed in a bar was at JC Cowboys in 2015. Oh, so, so a very long time. And I'd only been DJing at Top Golf, where yeah. it's very family friendly, right. 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. There's no nightlife about it. I'm just, I'm a soundtrack. Yeah. It's great. I b- built a lot there. But f- there had been an element that I hadn't been able to provide for those who were following me up until that point. It was kind of like, okay. Let's yeah. give it a shot. We, we've we heard about Fassler. We're not really sure about it. Let's just come give it a shot. And that night, it was incredible. It, yeah. it was it, There was no cover. You know, like, there's never a cover there. So that was an element that was great. The music was, was really good. We were inside, like you said, in that corner. Mm-hmm. It was really intimate. It was cold that night. So people were inside. And I just kind of did a couple things like I normally do. I just kind of chat with people while I'm on the mic. And I said... You know, make sure you tip your bartender. Make sure you tip your server. That's one thing that I always do. And yeah. the bartenders love that because it makes them more money. Right. And then I made sure I said, you know, like like certain records that I play, like, you know, I don't, we're not going to fight to these songs. These are t- sometimes can be like really, really, <laughs> really hype songs that if you are intoxicated past the limit that you should be. You, Someone you, bumps you, you. Yeah. You may get a little upset, but we were able to dance to those songs with the hypeness. And then I made sure I told everybody, you know, don't drink and drive. Right. Call a lift, call an Uber. And I felt like those three pieces along with the music and along with just myself being yeah. just who I am played the part that was needed to play. And it was exactly what I expected was going to happen. And it turned into you know, a big door opening up and I'm like, okay, now let's, let's, let's move some things. Let's do some things. Let's have some fun. Right. And it was the opportunity that I had been wanting for. I was just kind of waiting for the moment. And it was the moment that opened up and it was, it was a referral from one of my really good friends, DJ Tangerine. And I was booked by Chad Peoples and shout out to him. So, you know, the doors opened up, the stars aligned and that first night was a hit. Because like, you know, everyone would go out on a night out. They'd always gravitate because the collective wasn't there. They'd always go to Blue Garden because mm-hmm. it was decent weather, maybe. Or they'd go out and they'd hang out. And then they'd all jump in a cab or a taxi and go downtown, go to Bricktown. Correct. 
and now you have this 100 yards away wander over to Fassler. And with it being outside, you can definitely hear what's going on there. Yes, you can hear it from blocks. Yeah. There are people that will tell me, hey, I live on 7th Street, and I can hear you talking on the mic yeah. from Fassler. Yeah, because wow. you were just basically, I guess, the you know the, them taking the risk or whatever it is or deciding that, hey, this is something we're going to do. And then, you know, you have Kongs around the corner, which kind of jumped on that as well. Yes. They, and those are really the only two. And, and then there's McNelly's right there, too. Yeah. So you have you have that different element. It's like that's kind of an older crowd. Gotcha. But on a given night, you have three or four, yeah. you know, different entities with a lot of people flowing in and out. And so you kind of get a bar yeah. hop vibe. And at the time, also, let's not forget... Mm-hmm. Bricktown had a lot of construction going on. You're right. It did. So there yeah. was the streetcar going in and the streetcar is beautiful. But for the club goers at Access. that time, yeah. it really pushed people away because they just it was hard to park. And then you you just and it was cold. Yeah. So you have to park far away. Then you have to walk to the club to get in where at Fassler or in that midtown circuit, there's ample parking. You, yeah. can, you can go right in You're inside or if you get too hot, you can go outside it was so many different elements that came together. It was like it was truly a perfect storm. Yeah, definitely. It's it's just such a cool spot, isn't it? You know, and any I think any opportunity to just kind of express what you do, uh, you know, not on the ground floor, up top a little bit. You're in the open. People can definitely hear you. It's such a giant venue that's such so an open venue enormous. too. Yes. You know, like I'm sure like the music really carries through the entire building. It Especially does. when it's warm, they roll the shutters up, you uh-huh. know, and it just feels fantastic. That's it's why everyone gravitates to go there. Right. Uh, what was it like when you, you know, after that first night and you're like, okay, like we want you back. This is going to be normal thing. Um, and I guess you've already felt out kind of like the vibe in the room or whatever. Was it kind of a different experience when you went there knowing – you know, like I get to really express myself now because I'm kind of a staple here. It is. It, it, it was an incredible um, feeling to know that there was that opportunity to do such. Mm-hmm. As DJs, we know the music to play in almost any environment to do whatever we want. Like we said, there there yeah. are ways that you can play music to just, you know, have everybody moving in a certain rhythm from side to side, playing sing-along records, the whole nine. For me, it was about stretching the kind of the sonic knowledge that people had mm-hmm. while also giving them exactly what they want. You, I, you have to think about humans in, in, in kind of how we operate. We want the things that we want yeah. and we don't necessarily want to wait a long time for that. Yeah. So the game is to be creative in not burning yourself out in giving what is typically like what they want. Yeah. And also providing something that shows your artistry and shows who you are as a creative and, and just finding that middle ground. And again, that was what was there because you have so many different types of people yeah. of different color, creed, orientation that felt or that feel super comfortable at Fassler because it's so large, because yeah. there are so many different people. And through that music, it hits dim- different demographics. Yeah. It created again. So it really pushes your creativity and like express, it makes you become a better I guess, DJ for doing that. Certainly. And it allows me to kind of try different things. Uh, last night I played Baby Shark at 
peak hour <laughs> 12, 15 or so. Yeah. And there, there are very creative um, DJ edits. I know uh, if, if you're a music listener, you hear remixes and yeah. you hear edits of certain songs. Well, there are uh, record pools that I am in a part of that I get my music from and pay a monthly subscription. And there are DJs that are paid to, you know, create edits. And one DJ had a great idea to um, create a edit of two songs, well, three songs, essentially. And it starts off with the uh, Jaws, I believe. It's okay. like the dunna, dunna, dunna. And it's like Baby Shark. And it builds oh, into Baby Shark. So and it's good. like the whole Baby Shark almost all the way to Grandma Shark. Yeah. And it's like, now let's go. And it goes, it plays off of the do, 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 do. And it breaks down the tone play of the do. And it breaks it all the way down into the popular song Tatiana by Blueface. Okay. So it goes from Baby Shark. When everyone is half the crowd is like, what is this DJ doing? Why are you and doing the this? other half of the crowd is like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> this DJ has so much guts, like yeah. what, no way. And then it tone plays into arguably one of the hottest records of the year in the club. Yeah. And it's that element of, oh my gosh, we just went from baby shark. We went from shark yeah. jaws to baby shark to Tatiana. And there's this bridge of that. And just being able to do that in a place is yeah. is is sometimes unheard of and sometimes unimaginable from other DJs. And right. so for me, I'm all about creating that moment because I want people to say, you know, this DJ played Baby Shark at the club. Yeah. And then someone's going to be like, yeah, like, what? And tell me more. And they're like, and then he played Tatiana. And then they're yeah. going to be like, oh, my gosh, that was incredible. So it's, it's about creating those moments. And that creativity allows okay. for that. Yeah. Taking them, I guess, on that journey for the five to whatever, three to five minutes that it's taken. 100%. Is just, I guess, I mean, that's why you do what you do. Exactly. Yeah. Is there any other moments that stand out like that? <sighs> there, there are so many. <laughs> 35 there are, there a night. So, there are so yeah. many. Uh, it, for, for those listening, if you'd like to see some of those like special moments where, you know, the music is wacky and the people respond, definitely go check out my Instagram. I have a hashtag called LightBrightCam. Okay. It's L-I-T-E-B-R-I-T-E-C-A-M. And on Instagram, you can find essentially live clips of where I'm like playing a record and I'm telling the crowd, I said, hey, I want you to get out. Like, like you play the air guitar, I want you to play the air piano yeah. and kind of just play the keys to the song and you'll see a clip of like two or three hundred people yeah. in the crowd with their hands up in the air playing an air piano to the song that's playing while this transition is happening gotcha. in the song or you know just playing a record like one of the biggest female records of the year was truth hurts by lizzo mm -hmm. so every time i play that song there's multiple parts in the record where i just drop the song dro drop the music yeah. take the whole volume out and just let the entire crowd sing yeah and, and those are the moments where I'm just like, I love this so much. Right. The, I think this is why I do this. And to even just build on that, it's not just in the club. It's, it's at weddings. It's at my daughter's field day when their favorite song is Marshmallow. Anything yeah. that Marshmallow plays, and I play a Marshmallow song, and those kids lose their mind. It's those moments when you see the energy from people yeah. through the music. They hear a song that they love and it's like they lose their mind in that moment. Like, Yeah. And you can always tell like a performer, a DJ, whoever it is, when they're performing, if they've got the full kind of like connection with the crowd is, is when they drop the volume and they just let you sing it on your own. Yes. And it comes back to the the best example ever and then probably will be today and and till I definitely die, is the clip of Freddie Mercury at Wembley. 
Oh. You know, like that's what I think of when I think of okay. like turn the volume down yes. and Freddie's just yes. like, and just let, yeah, and they just go for it. Or he's just like, sing after me, and he does that da da dee, whatever it is, and like the whole thing. And he's just like, got him, you know, yes. wherever it is. But yes. I, re- I went to see Chris Stapleton this weekend. Oh, I heard that, that show was really yeah, good. Yeah, it was. And oh, this Chesapeake's just such a shit arena. <sighs> like, sound in there is, I know mm-hmm. nothing about sound and I know it's sucks. But you know, yeah. Um, but like he, you know, he he sings he sings his songs and, and back to the point of like having that like three or four bangers that you know that that you know everyone's gonna love. And he tried some new stuff and you could definitely tell the difference to the crowd. You know, he plays Broken Halos and everyone loses their mind. Yes, uh, and Millionaire and all the rest of it. And like that's the same. He did the same thing. It's just like, you know, off you go, sing it. You know, just turn it down. Have your fun. This is the moment yeah. that you that you've been waiting for. Yeah, like, be in that moment. Mm. I tell you who was really good though. Brothers Osborne were amazing. If you ever get a chance to see them, okay. even if you don't like country music or whatever it is, like the guy has one of the best voices ever. And he doesn't look, you know, when you see someone and you're like, you sound like that? Really? And, you know, you listen to music on the radio and, and I never think that he looks how he, how you think mm-hmm. he, he looks after you hear him sing. Um, yeah, just like. They were they were amazing, but it's kind of the same, you know. And just they were like, at the Chris Stapleton show. Yeah, as they well. they support him. They kind of travel gotcha, with him. So if you gotcha. see Chris Stapleton, you're probably going to okay. see them too. Uh, but no, it was good. It might just reminded me of just like turn the volume down, let the crowd go after it. It is those and, you know, moments that that people remember for a long time. Yeah, long time. Yeah. So talking about that because i was one of the idiots singing at top golf when snoop did that <laughs> what was that experience like being there like how what was that phone call like hey because you know you obviously have a relationship with them djing out there but how did that all come about it was a lot of things again coming together for a a perfect kind of perfect storm situation the show was a bit last minute it was like a two-week mm-hmm. deal uh the production company that had snoop booked had an event actually fall through in another city and like Top Golf was curating this idea, and they just happened to merge at the same time. And yeah. they're like, "Well, Oklahoma City is our test site because our home office is in Dallas, so we do a lot of things in Oklahoma City." I know that from working at yeah. the Top Golf location. And so uh, they were like, "Let's let's give it a shot in Oklahoma City. Let's book Snoop in Oklahoma City." And there was advertisement that there was going to be a local Oklahoma DJ, but nobody knew who that was going to be. And I think Top Golf was still trying to figure out. Yeah. Well. There were phone calls made. I had some people reach out to me before the show was even announced, say, hey, like Snoop Dogg is coming to perform and he's DJing. You really got to get on the show. And I'm like, well, yeah. if you've heard about it, I'm like, well, let me know if you can do something. And it's probably 10 days or so before the show, I got a call and someone was like, hey, do you think you can help us get some extra heads in the door? And I hate being asked that question because as a DJ, we're not promoters. Yeah. We're DJs. So to the DJ, it is the promoter's job to bring people in the door. Who we bring is just who we bring based off of our energy. It's it's not our first job. Gotcha. But we don't mind working in those capacities. But I've just always been so nervous about that. But in this moment, I'm like, this is Topgolf. I worked there for almost three years, two years. Mm -hmm. And then this is, or no, actually, yeah, almost three years. And then, um, this is Oklahoma city, you know, my home. So how can I not have success? Like I I had to tell myself, I had to be a bit cocky. I don't like to be, but I just had to be a bit cocky. I'm like, I have to step up to the plate. I have to hit a home run. But you've been doing this eight years. So there's a reason there was, there was, 
a reason that you could be cocky from it. Not cocky, but like have that confidence. That confidence. Yeah. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, so knowing that going into the event with that, I was able to kind of add another element, which, which essentially sealed the deal. So, um, shout out to big, big shout out to Dustin Sliger, OKC Marquee. Uh, he is a business partner of mine. We run a lot of business together, especially okay. on the marquee side. When I got the Snoop Dogg gig, I said, I have to have the marquee letters. We have to smell, smell, spell yeah. Snoopadelic in front of the stage because anywhere from the building, any photos of this, oh, thing, yeah. it's going to be our yeah. letters right there in front. And when we did that, his team, like they lost their mind. Yeah. They said, that is absolutely incredible. Like we love that. And all of the media from that event, the opening scenes, the official scenes have the marquee letter spelling out Snoopadelic. Yeah. So that was the icing on the cake. For me, it was like, just go in and play what you need to play. Don't even stress about being the 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 show, like Snoop Dogg is yeah. the show. Your job is to put in on this team, be a role player. And I was going to be a role player by just being myself, adding a couple of little elements, and then bringing in the hometown crowd. Right. Yeah. And it was nuts, wasn't it? it like, was, we didn't stay the whole night, but it was like, it was just such a cool experience was to be there. insane when the sun set and they had the big lighting production, all of the, the flashing mm. lights and the, they had like a hazer. So it was kind of like hazy in the crowd and everyone had foam glow sticks. It felt like a festival. It did. You're right. Yeah. That's I'm what like, made me think this, this has is, to happen this, again. It, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Because it, it wasn't, I don't think... I think if they pushed it further back, it would lose like put push mm -hmm. like the the stage further back up up the driving range. It would lose kind of that connect connectivity with like the building. Yes, I think it was just perfect far enough out. There's enough room to go stand and be wherever you want to be. But mm -hmm. then if even if you're on the bottom ground level, you can still have fun and not be right. like I need to be higher up to see it. Exactly. But no, that was awesome. Did you get to meet him? I did not get to meet him. Yeah. And, and actually, uh, I was this far distance between you and I as I was between him but excuse me that same day uh one of his dear friends that passed away Nipsey Hussle yeah, uh -huh. so he was actually at the funeral spoke at the funeral that morning in okay. LA and then flew on a private jet to Oklahoma City so I was in Oklahoma that day I was actually in the barbershop we're all watching yeah. the uh the funerals broadcasted and Snoop Dogg walks on the stage yeah and all of the eyes turned to me and I'm like in the chair and everyone's like, you're supposed to be playing with Snoop Dogg tonight. And we're watching him on the television right now. Is he going to be there tonight? And I'm like, yeah. I have text confirmation that says so. And so for me going into that, I wasn't going to try to hunt for that right. moment or it was just more like if it happens, yeah. it happens. I was able to be on the event. My name's on the flyer. Right, exactly. It, it, it's, on, it's in it's history. on your resume. So for me, it was less about that validation right. of, you know, trying to hunt for that photo and more so, you know, provide value. My goal, I'm like, if anything, let me get a photo with the production team. Let me get a photo yeah. with this manager. Manager, know that these that this these are my letters. These This is, you know, the production. This is my city. This is the, right. these are my people. You're being this a host. The community. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pineapple. But such a cool event, though, wasn't so, it? Yeah, so it needs awesome. to happen again, definitely. I, I, We had a blast. It was like a weekday, too. It was like, was it Thursday or something? Yeah, it was a Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it was... Uh, everyone definitely showed out for that. I think they were they were expecting 3,500, or the capacity was 3,500 for the show, and I think they got like right around 3,000. Yeah. Off of a 10 or 11 days of promotion. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. But you, so you have all those marquee letters as well. That's, that's you. Yes. Okay. So, so, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Dustin and he's pretty behind the scenes, but if you've seen the five foot tall marquee letters, you've got the, the, the lights that change colors. Yeah. I mean, they're all over the place at Chesapeake. We actually just set them, uh, Dustin did not myself, yeah. but, uh, on top of the BOK center in Tulsa okay. for the Jonas brothers tour, it's spelled, uh, happiness begins. That's like their tour brand. So we've just, been putting those in every place possible yeah and i mean just to be 100 percent transparent that has been a large catalyst in my business um over the last couple of years because my name is light bright yeah these are bright lights right they're large i'm i'm six foot eight so you have this correlation of yeah. these different elements it's event lighting you know, I'm an event DJ. And so we kind of found this relationship that um, really was in synchronicity from the jump. Yeah. And so I've been able to use the marquee letters to push my brand. I have a corporate relationship with Torchy's Tacos. Okay. So I travel with them and DJ all of their grand openings, all of their new store openings. And I bring the marquee letters with me and we spell damn good out in front of every single one of their stores yeah. because that's a part of their brand. And so it getting that relationship, getting that, that, um, that kind of corporate contract was in part to, you know, the marquee okay. letters. They were like, you know, this is a DJ that can provide great music. He's a great MC. He's got business sense. Um, and he's got these elements that also help us stand out in our right. league. So, you know, kind of that symbiotic relationship. Yeah. And so again, you know, Dustin and his company, the relationship that we've built, it's really allowed me to push myself in, in I mean, just bottom line, separate myself from a pack where I'm running in a pack that of DJs that are right. of similar quality, of similar um, notoriety, nothing knocking against them. But this is one element that I have. This is one leg up yeah, that I have you. that the other DJs don't. How did you get that? That How did they reach out for the Cobra So cake? we did an event together, the Allied Arts Artini in 2018. It was at a farmer's market and... Uh, the wonderful coordinators, they had the idea to set up a stage with myself on the stage and the words Artini spelled out in the marquee letters. Mm -hmm. And we had these beautiful dancers on the stage. They had the big, like, big, like showgirl dancers. And, and I had a business partner of mine, uh, shout out to Brady Williams, Hero Films, Brady Made. He shot a great video that captured myself and the marquee letters. And yeah. Dustin was like, hey, man, we, we, we should like link up and do some stuff together. So... The summer, the same summer that I started DJing at Fastler, about six months later, uh, I set up the marquee letters at Fastler and it spelled light bright. Yeah. Like the first time. And that was a really big moment for the brand of both his and mine because he's he's got the brand. He's yeah. he's been doing his own thing. But again, coming together just elevates it even more. Right, definitely. Because so, you're bringing two different demographics together. Exactly. And he saw that value and I saw that value. And from the jump, I told him, I said, I have a lot of ideas and a lot of things that I'd like to see done, but I want to respect your business. Right. You be 100% transparent with me. Let me know if I'm overstepping a boundary. Let me know if my idea is too grand. Let me know if it's something that we can't do right now because yeah. I want to make things work, but I want to make them work in a way that works for the both of us so that we can keep this relationship for a very yeah. long time. Yeah. So, Cause they, they're not, they're massive letters. They're, they're huge. They're massive. They're yeah. five feet tall. Uh, the W is about, f it's like three and three quarters feet long. Yeah. And it is like, 
it's a pain. No, I think the W is longer than that. It, it's it's pretty wide. Yeah, but they are, they are they are a beauty. Yeah, they, they are, are a beauty. Because I think the last time I think I saw them like in person was probably at the marathon last year. Yes, yeah, had a picture in front of them at the marathon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every year there's the, uh, we do the marathon. Uh, a lot of Oklahoma City community events. Mm-hmm. A lot of Tulsa events. Uh, we had the opportunity to work with Pioneer Woman, uh, do some Food Network stuff. We've done an Airbnb bid. We've done. Yeah. Uh, Russell Westbrook parties, Thunder parties. Um, I've been able to do some events in Dallas at the American Airlines Center. We set up a set up for Pink. Okay. And um, gosh, who else? Uh, a couple of names are escaping me now, but like Mark Anthony. Uh, just just different setups for different yeah. artists. It's just that element of of kind of changing the game and adding something new in that marquee. I mean, they're marquee letters. It's it's a marquee staple in any right. Event. Yeah. So back to your career, I guess. Is there one place that like you've played and you haven't been back yet that you really want to go to, or is there one that's just on the list that's like I have to play there? Okay. Are you ready for this? Oh, here we go. Fort Smith, Arkansas. Why Fort Smith, Arkansas? <laughs> what That's is the same thing? I what said. is in Fort Smith? I've never been to Fort Smith, Arkansas. Fort Smith, Arkansas is a gem of a city okay. in in the middle of I don't even know what you, it's like. Not the Dixie Alley, and it's not like I don't even. It's not even like the Midwest, like the Mid South. Yeah. But it, I was booked for a um, beer festival called Ales for Trails. Okay. And it's a it's a festival that raises money for the Fort Smith Parks and Rec and they have they have like a really big um like nature and fitness community there. Yeah. And so uh they had this big event and one of the coordinators saw me playing at an event in Tulsa and he reached out like a couple of days after the event. He's like, "Hey man, I just saw you play in Tulsa and I'm a coordinator for this event. It's a big festival. Uh this year's theme is glow theme." Yeah. And your name is DJ Lightbright. And yeah. I just searched you and you have these marquee letters that I really like. So could I book you and your marquee letters to come headline this beer festival? We have like 4,000 people come out. The yeah. community is really dope. Like, would you come? And I'm like, yes. And he's like, how much? And so I quoted yeah. him and I'm like, I'm headlining a festival. Is this, is this one of the times where you're like, I will, but do you throw out a number that you quote and you're just like, I hope he goes for it because yes. of this? Yeah. Is that Hail one of those? Because you're like, I don't really, if, if I... If he doesn't accept it, then never mind. Yes. Okay. And and it's come from it. It, it again the things the, the way that things happen. I really gravitated. Side note to a DJ podcast, and this DJ really gives a lot of good information. And so one of his episodes was about money. He had like a money podcast uh-huh. part one and part two, and he really went in depth about what you should do in money negotiations as a DJ. So I went into it with that kind of knowledge of okay, this is how you word things. This is how you pitch things. This is how if he comes back or she comes back and says, you know. Why are you quoting this? Well, yeah. this is what goes into these are that. my reasons for it. Yeah. I have to pay my my current videographer Brad. I have to pay my my team to help me set up. I have to being transparent. I'm renting my letters from OKC Marquee because he's got to provide for his family. You know, so yeah. there there are all of these things, and and they went for it, and I'm like, okay, so let's do it. Yeah. Still not knowing what I was getting myself into. Yeah. So I have a couple of events that weekend. I have a Fassler Hall night. I have a fundraiser, and then like the next morning, it's a Saturday, August 10th myself, Brad, a buddy of mine, Dave, we all hop in the car with a trailer, hauling the marquee letters. We drive two and a half hours from Oklahoma City to Fort Smith. And as we're pulling into Fort Smith, like you exit the highway and then you go over this bridge. It's like, you don't know what you're going into. It's like the weirdest thing. There's like okay. this tree line because there's a river. I can't remember. I, think, I, don't know, I don't think it's the Mississippi. It's No, it's not the Mississippi. It's whatever river comes from Tulsa down splits. And so you come over this river 
And then it's like, you come into this like beautiful town. You're like, where am I? And it's like, <laughs> welcome to beautiful Fort Smith. And you're like, oh, I'm in Fort Smith. Yeah. Well, the festival grounds are under this overpass. So like I said, you're coming in on a bridge over a river and then there's this like riverfront park and there's old downtown Fort Smith and there's the railroad and there's all of these different things and there's industry, but there's this festival ground. And so we pull in and we get set up and there's this big, beautiful stage. It's a permanent stage. Like yeah. they have events there often. And I'm like, not, there's no one there. It's like 2 PM. It's hot. It's like 98% humidity dying. I'm like, what am I getting myself into? I'm talking Please to Brad. Pay me up front. Yes, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. So we get set up. We're we're setting up the marquee letters, and it's kind of crazy as festivals go. And I'm like, okay, you know, just trust it. Just trust it. Meet up with the coordinator. We get directed to the hotel. Get checked into the hotel. I'm like, okay, we're gonna meet back at the festival grounds at seven. Show starts at eight. There's a moment for me to get set up. Do the whole thing. We leave, three hours pass. Mike, when we pull back, like you would have thought that we just pulled up to Coachella. Yeah. Like I kid you not, it's packed from the stage to the back of the festival. There's tents, there's beer, there's like all of these elements going on. There's a cover band playing, they're killing it. Yeah. There's just all of this energy. The temperature's kind of cooled down a bit. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is about to be an incredible night. My anxiety immediately shoots through the roof. So yeah. I'm like, okay, like, like let, let's let's get to this. So we kind of push this in. We end up pushing the set back, and I get up to the stage and start at about 8:30. Cover band comes off, and everyone's kind of like looking around, and then we start setting the marquee letters up on the stage. So if you see any footage from my Ales for Trails set on any of my social media, you'll see that I put up light bright. And A4T in marquee letters, they line the front of the stage. And then the DJ setup is behind the stage, and I'm on an elevated platform. Gotcha. So now it's kind of like my DJ booth is my marquee letters in front of me, and I'm kind of setting them up and I'm hiding behind the marquee letters. And then I have my Brad guy, my Brad guy, my guy Brad um, plug in the marquee letters, and they just all light up. Yeah. And, and you just hear the crowd go, <gasps> Yeah. Oh, and it was like this big sigh of release so we get them all set up and he changes the colors and we go to start playing and from the moment i start playing the first record the place just lit up the glow theme came into effect the vip section was popping people rushed to the stage and and it was like they have been waiting for something like this for years and it is exactly what the coordinator said he was like yeah we have been needing to put something on like this for the people. He said, Fort Smith gets forgotten about. Not really, not many things go to Little Rock. No one ever thinks about Fort Smith. There's Tulsa, there's Oklahoma City, there's Dallas, you know, there's all these other places. We get missed a lot. We don't have stuff like this. So people chomp at the bit for it. Yeah. And I played an electronic set for 30 to 40 year olds, but they were remixes and edits. These right. bootlegs that we talk about of like celebration um, wannabe Spice Girls, Push It, We Will Rock You, um, like all of these iconic records from- Is this all, going back, is this all the stuff that you grew up listening to? No. No? It's not like other mom and dad's funk, like- Yeah. Other than the funk, I didn't listen to- Okay. I didn't listen to any of- I didn't know there's like some weird cycle. No, We're going back to exactly what mom and dad listened no, to. I, w <laughs> I wish. It, it was more so like just- Again, paying it, it's, it's everything yeah. that I had learned though. It was, it was the inspiration from my parents and then moving in the cultures that I did. I mean, literally from the age of time I was born right. to my moments in college. 
so to know what songs had what reactions to be at a festival and play Sweet Caroline because yeah. you know everyone's going to sing every word and then you can bring in a song with the build up and we've got lighting production and all I got to do is get them really hype and then say three, two, one, yeah. jump. And they're singing Sweet Caroline and they're jumping and yeah. it's an edit that's saying jump around. It's all of these elements, again, that came together for me to put on this show and for it to be my first festival headline it's, it's not a it's not Coachella it's not EDC but in my retrospect for my for myself for my career it was a headline it was a moment for me to be the head curator of an event I don't produce music I don't sell music that doesn't get me to the big festivals but there are these small niche market yeah. events that do still need that and somehow some way the universe guided me there and and I received so much love so to wrap it up, the event ends and me and my team, we get together and we're like, holy cow, what was that? Like everyone is just chomping at the bit, wanting more, wanting more. Mm -hmm. And I don't really get tagged in anything because I'm not familiar with people, but we just go to social media. We go to Instagram and there are hundreds of posts from the festival. And it was kind of like this, didn't really know what was going to happen. And then everyone else, everyone from outside is wondering like, okay, He's headlining this festival. What's it going to look like? Yeah. And then we started showing the footage. And then the footage that my videographer had captured, then we started looking at that. And it was actually like absolutely incredible. So then we were able to show that. And yeah. it just turned out to be, you know, an experience that I never thought that I would have, but a place that I have to go back to because I know above all anything, I mean, of course I can complain in Oklahoma City. I can play in Tulsa. I can play in the DFW area. But to be able to provide that one-time experience for yeah. a group of people who don't get an experience like that. It was, as I said, the perfect storm. And I'm still receiving messages weekly yeah. asking when I'm coming back. I even had a gentleman who said he wasn't there, but the whole city had been talking about it so much that someone suggested to his son to connect with me because his son has been told he can't make it out of Fort Smith as a musician. Yeah. And I was a musician that came into Fort Smith and showed everybody what music is. So the dad reached out to me and asked me if I could take his son under my wing yeah. and be an intern. It was like from a city that I DJ, like a, from a place I really didn't want to go to. I didn't really <laughs> know what I was getting into. Yeah. What? And no one ever talks about. I've been to Fort Smith once to play basketball mm -hmm. in college. So did they give you a key to the city? Yes. They did? They did. They did. <laughs> hey, figuratively. Yeah. I, 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 I asked, I said, can I please come back for one more year? I'd love to do, you know, a, a follow-up and, and potentially, you know, start to curate, you know, a city that maybe I'll stop in, you know, yeah. once or twice a year and do a really fun event and have something just be super special. I don't need to be there all the time. Right. You know, but to be able to provide that, that's something that, you know, is super unique and not many... Not many creatives get in any retrospect, but not many DJs get at that level. Yeah. Was that like the first time that you'd headline somewhere? First that time. You, the, but also that was in a place there you hadn't been before. Yes. So it was, yes. it was even better. It was, it was the icing on the cake. Yeah. It was absolutely awesome. What other doors have opened from that? Was that like this summer? That was. It, okay. Yes, it was at the end of the yeah. summer. It was in August. I would say that in the moment excuse me, in the micro, there haven't been many doors that have immediately opened. I've gotten a lot of love. Right. I've met a lot of different people. I've connected with a lot of people on social media in that market. Uh, but it's more so been 
uh, a vision into the future, a look into the future mm-hmm. that, okay, here is a market that I can come do some more stuff and I can uh, probably curate a, a 70s, 80s, 90s party because that's the majority of the demographic mm-hmm. and then potentially maybe dip into the college market because of the University of Arkansas Fort Smith being there. Yeah. It's a pretty large school for mm-hmm. Arkansas. Um, but in the macro, the content, and the experience, the resume builder, the the knowledge of the music that I played and how the crowd responded has been something that I'm keeping in, you know, foresight because knowing that I can use these as leverage, use the footage, use this this recap, this live clip, all of these different elements to advertise myself to more niche market festivals yeah. as I kind of begin to cultivate that again, that, that, um, that resume of events that look similar to Aylesford trails that have that same impact, that same. Right. Effect. Not to mention the confidence it gives you going forward. 100%. Yeah. 100%. There was a lot of doubt in, um, in, in my green room, I'll say. And then, and it's even fun. I hesitated to say green room cause I feel like such a, like a snob, but like I had a green room. Yeah. And that was a first net, a full spread. And there was like beer and water and, phone chargers and air conditioning patch kids and everything yes exactly (laughs) exactly and and so to then go from you know the moments of doubt and the moments of anxiety and 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 understand you know it's it's more so doubt like oh my gosh like what am i gonna play Mm -hmm. these i'm looking at a demographic of people that i typically play a softer style of music for but i'm at a festival yeah and the coordinators want boom, boom, boom. So how do I give them boom, boom, boom when typically I give them boom? Yeah. And that was hard. But like you said, then I get that confidence and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, you can play these different songs. You can, you can do these different things. You can just be yourself because like I've said before, the first time that something happens, I'm able to step into that realm and do that. And, and, and right before I played my first record, I kind of reminded myself, I said, Hey, this is what you do every single day. This is your career. Yeah. This is what you sign up for. So don't complain. <laughs> yeah. Get the jitters out. My, right. my wife would be telling me to suck it up. My stepdaughter would be telling me to suck it up. So, yeah. you know, the that's, confidence that's boost so cool. was definitely yeah. very, um, that would have been just, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to try and find some footage of that. Yes, yeah, please, please you, do. I have, a, I have of that. Co- quite a few footage, YouTube, yeah. Instagram, TV, all of that. That's going to be so cool. So what's like, you know, what is a place that you do want to play then that's like on the radar maybe or not yet, but it's like the shining light, the goal, the, I guess, not, you know, the EDC or the Coachella or whatever it is in, in like the niche that you're in. I am a bit unsure about that one. I would like to say that my dream is to get to Vegas, but that's kind of the, that's kind of every DJ's dream for me. I'm more so on the hunt to find the subcultures, the um, groups of people in the markets that are a bit untapped, that don't have what they need to, you know, provide that element that is absent. So that is essentially like what my hunt is for and where I want to play. It's like mm-hmm. so essentially like the Fort Smiths. Um in Oklahoma City, the cool thing, like we've mentioned about Fassler, was there wasn't something like that. So it was a change of pace. I, I love to find places like that where I can get as many people as possible in one room or in one field yeah. or in one space and just vibe with the energy and the music, vibe with each other, have this experience of community and of fun. 
And so those are the places that I really want to look. It, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's Fassler Hall. It doesn't matter if it's Pretty Please Social Room. It doesn't matter if it's Ales for Trails in Fort Smith. It doesn't matter if it's, yeah. you know, a dance hall in the backwoods of Texas. You know, if there are people yeah. dancing and, and it's, it, it feeds into what my brand is, then, then that's, that's yeah. where I want to be. Do you have like, a, not a go-to song because... Do you have like a favorite song that it doesn't matter if nobody likes it? Like you just love playing that song. Brad, uh, can you think of something? Because you laugh because because I know you can think. I know you probably. Spice Girls. Oh, okay, okay. Spice Girls. Yeah. yeah. There's shout out to Spice Girls. Shout, They're shout back. out to Spice Girls. Yeah. I I I have seen every single demographic of person sing "Wannabe" by Spice Girls. Yeah. So. And, I, and I've, I don't think that I also have ever had a client or a couple ever say, don't play Spice Girls. Yeah. So oddly enough, I'm going to say that that is one of my go-tos that can pretty much go go well anywhere because my style of DJing is open format. So we may come out of Luther Vandross into Spice Girls. Yeah, or we may yeah. come out of um, like Lil John into Spice Girls. And then, as we've mentioned before, there are edits and remixes right. of the Spice Girls song. So there is a Latin rhythm of Spice Girls. So then you can play it if you're in a Latin groove or a Latin environment. There is an electronic remix of Spice Girls. And so you can play it if you're in more of a bass heavy yeah. environment. And literally they have the same reaction. It just, it, it's just kind of, you just pick up and, and, and place it. But there are, there are other songs. There's Celebration, Cool in the Gang. Um, there's, there's, uh, single ladies or like any like yeah. kind of Beyonce record. It's really hard to pinpoint one song. I'm going to give you one. It'll be Spice Girls. Yeah. Want to be, uh, if I'm going to give you a second one, it'll probably be Celebration or like a Daft Punk one more time. Right. That's a good one. Or, you know, those. Dr. The, Dre and thing and Snoop. Next whatever. episode yeah, is a yeah. really, really good one. Drop It Like It's Hot is a really, really good one. It's like those staple records that truly transcended what their original genre was. Yeah. Yes, it's still true that genre, but I mean, there are eight year olds that know Drop It Like It's Hot and <laughs> One More Time because of their parents, right. you know, or like there are kids that know Ice Ice Baby that yeah. are like 11 and they're like, yeah, my mom listens to this while like she's helping me with homework. I'm yeah. like, I was so talking about songs that you remember from your childhood or just remember anyway. I, um, my wife loves Picklemans in, in Norman. Okay. So we went down there. Uh, I was down in Moore doing an event for This Is Oklahoma Stuff. And I was like, oh, let's just go. We're almost here. Let's just go down. And we get there and she loves the pizza and I'm on a health kick at the moment. So Picklemans do a really good salad right now. Um, and Balance. Oh, yeah. So good. Um, Walnut Cran. It was awesome. They, pl they were playing... Um, my girl likes to party all the time, right? Like super like 80s style. If you ever watch the video, it's super 80s, I think, style. Like, And I'm singing it because I know the song, right? right? You know, like everyone knows the chorus. And my wife's like, the hell are you doing? Who is this? I'm like, I don't really know who it is. But then the song is like iconic, right? You know, And if you've never heard this song and you're listening, like just Google my girl wants to or likes to party all the time, whatever it is. And the person you'll see singing it is not exactly who you want, just who you who you'd expect. Uh, oh, but I just, yeah, I googled it and I was just like, no freaking way! It's Eddie Murphy singing that song. Yes, that's exactly how I reacted. <laughs> I'm gonna pull it up. Yeah, would you please? I'm gonna pull it up. Would you please? Definitely, because uh, yeah, Brad, pull that up too. Yeah, yeah, doing the Joe Rogan thing. You in the corner, pull that up. That's what he does, right? <laughs> uh, I'm probably yeah. 
my girl, like, yeah, my partner will find this now. First thing, first picture, Eddie Murphy. Get out. Tell me about it. Get out. It has 31 million views on YouTube, this video does. Yeah. Party All the Time by Eddie Murphy. What? So, so. But there, but there is, there is obviously a, like, Sharam Party All the Time, which you're thinking of. That's what you're thinking of, probably. Yes. So I was singing this song, right? And you just, like, let me just... I don't know if YouTube will shut me down or podcast people will shut me down, but I'm going to try and find... Shut up, Peloton. I'm going to try and find <laughs> the chorus for you uh, and just find... Oops. This? You know this one? Yes. It's Eddie Murphy. That song's so, Eddie Murphy. So I'm singing. I'm singing this song, right? And my, you know, like walking through Pickleman's, like this idiot that I am. People are looking at me, and I'm just like, you know, grab my, grab my salad. She's eating pizza. She's like, what are you doing? Who is this? I'm like you've never heard this song. What? So yeah, that was that's what reminded me of just kind of like playing songs that you never, you know, I was wasn't born when this came out, but it's something that your parents might have listened to or you would have listened to, and you just know it. And I mean, it has 31 million views. So exactly, it's kind of iconic, but it's kind of forgotten about. There are those moments, and if you have that, or even if you think that you have that, um, it's that sonic dissonance mm -hmm. in your crowd. We'll say. Um, and you have the crowd. For me, I like to drop records in when I know I have the crowd at a moment. So I'm bringing them out of one place and I'm taking them to another. I like to drop in My Girl Temptations after a really upbeat um, butt shaking. Yeah, so, you can so say you that. you go from yeah. these, these um, elements in the music and the beat where the drums are at a certain pace but the tempo is still the same of my girl, but she has it really low that doom, doom, doom. And then it goes that listen, baby. Yeah. And then you, or no, that's, I'm sorry, I'm singing uh, Ain't No Mountain High because I played that too much yeah. this weekend. My girl is like doom, doom, doom. So I'm sorry, the baseline of that like, yeah. comes in with the baseline of, like I said, one of those records. And you get that moment where like people go from to what? And it's yeah. like, my girl yeah. and then everyone sings it and you're like i know none of y'all were around when this song came out this is but it's such an again iconic record that when it comes on you sing it and it's great to have that moment in the crowd where yeah. you know it's everyone loves a throwback yes yes loves and, it. and, and it's expect unexpected time they're like ah. yeah so again kind of that you know those records that are just yeah it's it, it just, but it makes it different than it? it's like when you're on a night out and you're like oh i've heard this song on the radio a million times and then something like that changes. You're like, ooh, this is this is why I come out on nights out. This is why I come to the dance floor because I have a great time and I get, you know, like a little something that's coming out unexpected, which is what they can rely on you for. Yes. You know, because I'm sure people who have seen you 40 times now, they probably see, oh, yeah, he's going to throw in this. But at the same time, they, they're they probably waiting for something to come that they're not used to, which Certainly. is always going to evolve because nobody's going to stop making music. That's you know? true, which is I'm so thankful for. Yeah, you're like, oh, thank <laughs> you, I have a job. job. Yeah, as well, you know, like Baby Shark is now a thing. Exactly. Jeez, I can't wait for that to go somewhere else. Have but I can't wait to see you bring that oh, out in like 10 years' oh, time. There, there's <laughs> like, remember this time? a meme that's like, oh my gosh, in 10 years, like there's going to be a DJ that drops Baby Shark in the club yeah. and everyone is going to lose their mind. I'm like, yeah, yes. Wonderful. Cannot wait. I'm, I'm actually waiting on that time now. Yeah, exactly. Do you like follow... So... 
for me, from being from the UK, when I go mm-hmm. home, the radio in the UK is very dance themed. Yes. Right? And it's yes. so good. And I'm, I'm at home, I'm like, this, why have I not heard this yet? It's a banger. And, you know, like, and I always find myself looking at like UK top 40 because it's obviously totally different to what it is in the States for the most part. Um, but is there anything that like you kind of like draw from or any songs that you've kind of pulled from UK, Europe that start like because you always you can get them first right yes. you kind of get i guess say get get them first you get them maybe six months like lewis capaldi is huge in the states okay. now whereas like six months ago he was huge back home yes so so that that is such a great topic what is interesting about the way that that music translates now from europe to america is a lot more open than it was i even feel like mm, five years ago Due to, you know, our popularities in Spotify, YouTube growing more popular, Uh excuse me, Apple Music, as well as just the overall electronic dance scene in America. So it's allowed for that, you know, that door to really, really be open as it's become more mainstream. For me, I haven't had the opportunity to dive as much into the let's say the most popular electronic music or maybe the more mainstream music coming out of Europe yeah. where I've really gradu- gravitated towards is Northern Europe, the Amsterdam kind of culture yeah. of DJs. There's Holland and Denmark being yes, like the staple in EDM. Yes. Yeah. There's this kind of alt, like I don't even know how to describe it, but it derives from a lot of tribal music, a lot of tribal drums. There are, are um, DJs, producers by the name of Jero Vandal, um, uh, Full Crate. There is, uh, gosh, I'm, there's like two or three other producer DJs from that area. But essentially, they kind of open the door for me because their music is is super, uh, it crosses different demographics. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of Latin, um, a lot of African, a lot of South American again, that those undertones, those influences. So that has really opened my mind up to what's coming out of there. And I've really tried to start pulling that in because I've seen trends in the way that music is going, Mm -hmm. especially with the club music, especially with the, again, the drum patterns. That's a lot of what moves us. That's a lot of what moves our feet, what moves our hips. So when I'm seeing it happen over there from a culture that, like you said, is dance, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit for the first opportunity that, you know, I can go to Europe and, and experience a dance club in Europe because I know that it's not like the majority of the clubs in America right. where, you know, it's just, I just don't feel like we go out to dance like that. Mm-hmm. We don't go out to be in the moment of the music. And I'd like to try to give that in some sort of retrospect. And I'm definitely drawing a lot of inspiration from that, that Northern Europe, yeah. that, that, uh, that Amsterdam, it, it, in some of the subcultures that I'm in, it's called the Amsterdam sound. Okay. And it's some of those DJs and producers. And it's it's really great music. And I'm able to find that through like Spotify. Like yeah. I said, it's it's tapping into those charts and seeing what's trending, what the people are talking about, and how can I take that music and put right. it into my stuff. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I'm excited. I haven't been out in a long time. I need to. Uh, that's what happens when you get older and you get a job and a house and all the rest of it. No kids yet for me, though. I have two dogs and that's about... As far as we're going right now, they can they can be a handful. But right, yeah, because we people you know, sometimes we, underestimate dogs. I'm like, hey, you uh, should get on yeah. one and then come back and talk to me. Not a human, yeah. but it's like dogs are a lot. Definitely, but yeah, because you know we went to the Stapleton concert this weekend and we get back and it's like midnight. And I'm like, usually going out at this point five six years ago. You know, life's changed, but still, like it, right. it's good to see, you know, that this it's 
what you've done with Fastler and what you've been allowed to do at Fastler is still there and it's I feel like it's still only the beginning. Do you feel the same way? I think so too. I I feel that it is the beginning and I think in the beginning you hit every single bump in the road that you possibly can hit. So currently um, at the moment, Fastler Hall is taking a bit of a hiatus on live music and its regular schedule. So you essentially won't be able to, you know, go to a Fastler on a Friday night and 10 o'clock hear a DJ mm-hmm. start playing just due to a few things that Fastler wants to do to kind of help rebrand and reshift their focus for sales purposes and kind of not leaning so much on one aspect of the business that can be affected by a lot of different factors. Right. Humans. Weather, and that being, you know, that, weather that, being one of them. Exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, for the time being, you know, there's a bit of this hiatus, but I think as you let, as you set this question up, like that's the perfect way to explain it. Mm-hmm. It's still in its, you know, infancy in the grand scheme of things in the macro, looking at Oklahoma city and looking at Oklahoma culture. I think that there are a lot of things that Oklahoma is, has yet to see. There's a lot of growth that Oklahoma has yet to experience Mm -hmm. and it is happening now. But I think as the younger people are getting older, I think that they will be the ones who are also as involved in those younger people are the ones who are going out. They are in the, excuse me, in the social media, they see everything. So they are going to put into that. Mm -hmm. That's going to help the Oklahoma community grow. I think a place like Fassler Hall stays stapled. They stay anchored in their midtown and I think that that time comes back. I mean, maybe it'll be three months or yeah. so, you know, who, who knows when the new year comes maybe. And I think that that will be the next step of gotcha. Fassler. You know, it, it, it'll come back that that live music element will come back in a different form that will kind of carry Fassler into right. that next spot because Midtown is just getting more popular, you know, with the collective being there. Um, I think there's a spot going in on that corner mm-hmm. of Hudson and 10th. And then you've got that giant field across the street from Fassler that like nobody has touched. No one's touched it so yet. So I'm like, okay, yeah. all right. When is, when is something coming in here? And I yeah. think that with that, I don't see Fassler uh, completely abandoning what they have built themselves on. Mm-hmm. But again, you kind of have to cool the brakes a bit right. or, or, or ease off the gas sometimes when and now's you, the time you to do it right. yeah now's the time to do it like you said in the early stages to figure it all out mm-hmm. and then choose your direction and go for it right. um you mentioned uh danny as well obviously you know he plays with you a couple of times what's like and what's like the scene with around the music community in oklahoma city is it still in its early stages as well like i know you guys kind of play here and there but you know is there do you think that oklahoma city is going to be a place where you will have like three or four djs or maybe more than that 10 15 djs that have regular residencies and like this is such this is going to become a music centric you know like small city and grow into a bigger city you know music's going to grow with the city like it kind of like kind of like the food scene has yes i want to quote christian pearson from okay sessions i, still, I need to have him on yes yeah he, i do oh my gosh mike that he's reached out is, we've spoken and it's yes awesome. i'm glad when you reminded you him, me i mean yeah. you're you're gonna love him and he he says it best and it's it's on his okay sessions page but it's like oklahoma city is the most collaborative music city in the world okay and I love that because he believes in it and he puts that into the universe. And I think the exact same thing. I am able to see just kind of looking outside in on a couple of other markets through the DJ world. 
And I'm able to see that it's really hard to collaborate. But when you have a market like Oklahoma City, when you have a market that has um, young blood, when you have a market that, again, has a younger generation coming up, I think that it sets the stage for that growth. And that's where that's where Tangerine comes in. Yeah. Danny Eagle, DJ Tangerine. He is, in my opinion, the DJ that is at the that is at the forefront of the young population that's coming up, and they're collect they're connected through electronic dance music. Right. It's a lot of the Oklahoma kids that are like sixteen to twenty that are loving where electronic dance music is, and it's really rich in Oklahoma because with the internet with just everything that you have access to, you can get into such. And so for those kids, it's an outlet. It's, it's a creative place. They all gravitate towards it. This year, Oklahoma is actually having their first like homegrown music festival. It's called Daybreak okay. at the end of this month. And it's going to be majority of local artists, but a lot of big major acts. And it's kind of going to be that first true marriage of the, okay, hey, this is the Oklahoma electronic music scene. This is the national yeah. electronic music scene. Let's bring them together on a true national stage and show everybody what we what we have. Where is that? That's gonna be in. I, it's it's northern Oklahoma. I can't exactly remember the exact location, but it's gonna be October twenty fifth and twenty sixth. Cold Daybreak day Festival. Okay. Yes, and 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 to saying all of that, it's really studying the culture. It's kind of that cultivate you know all of those all of those young kids who are coming up in the music scene who enjoy what is going on where do they end up when they come to when they become 22 23 24 21 you know where is that where is their input and i think that that is here in oklahoma and like i mentioned tangerine i believe is at the forefront of a lot of that and there are so many djs who are also coming up i would say that it would be the best case scenario for there to be, you know, probably seven or eight really popular spots mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City with DJs that can hit in niche markets. I don't think that there can be eight Fastler Halls. Yeah. You I know, agree. there could probably be one Fastler Hall, one Kongs like venue. Yeah. And then, you know, you kind of have your Bricktown your circuit, or whatever your, your club yeah. circuit. Yeah. But I f- believe that as this newer generation is coming in, that is going to bring this kind of resurgence to the nightlife because there are these young kids who are kind of chopping at the bit because mm-hmm. you just have to continue refilling it. But there just aren't many DJs who have those big followings to sustain right. themselves to really show that value yet. And it's not saying that they can't get it. Just not there yet. Just not there yet. It's, it's Again, it's a lot of newness in some areas. So there's this like gap between essentially the OG mm-hmm. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma DJs, and then the younger generation that are still, you know, learning production or getting their first residencies or, you know, in their first one or two years of DJing yeah. that still have some room to go. But for us as DJs, as partners, Tangerine and I, we have really wanted to open that door to those mm-hmm. DJs and say, hey, you know, reach out. 
let's let's talk let come to us come yeah join us at the club see how it is get acclimated because it can happen sooner than later because of how connected we can be right because you've kind of paved that path already so that you don't have to fight through whatever it is that you have to fight to the eight to ten years that you've been in it to get you know exactly you can definitely get it quicker now yeah that i just pulled it up day breaks in buyers b yeah buyers oklahoma and i guess zed's dead's one of the people playing so there you go yeah that is huge 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 yeah Awesome. Um, do you know Hunter Owen? I do. Okay. I do. Okay, that's good. I was yeah. going to say, if you don't, you need Laser to connect. Wolf, right? yes. yes. Yeah, I was going to say, if Gosh. you don't, you need to connect. He um, has built uh, yeah. a brand. Very much so. Thrown that brand into the nebulas, and it has taken off. Like, I'm I'm forever impressed with like, yeah. the work that he's been able to do. Good. I was going to say, if you're not involved, you need to. Because, uh, like I said, you know, now we, we both know him, so I don't need to say anymore. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, guys, if you're listening and you don't know, I think just at Laser guy i think or at laser wolf laser i think laser guy is one of the accounts laser wolf fx yeah that's yeah so definitely look that up but um may this has been so awesome to finally get to do this you know share the story um talk about oklahoma city you know and the music culture that's coming and everything that you've done uh you know like i said it's only the beginning so i want to appreciate you know i want thank you and i really appreciate you coming in and sharing that especially with you know please pass my thanks on to shelby because yes. she's basically having a baby <laughs> in two weeks i will she she sent the blessing it was actually it was it was very great this weekend um her family came down and visited her mom and dad and mm-hmm. uh our, her sister lives very close to us so we have a very close family community so when i'm gone like there are people that are able to fulfill and yeah. make sure her and my daughter are taken care of and, and my soon to be daughter. So, yeah. uh, that was great. And, and I told her, I said, Hey, you know, I'm going to be gone. I'm not going to be back. Like I typically am Sunday morning. I've got a couple more engagements and she was like, go knock it out. I'm like, this yeah. is the last big weekend, you know, like she's like, go knock it out. Yeah. So, you're like, I, you, you can have me like as soon as the baby's yep, I'm in, yep. you know? Um, but before we before we jump off, what how can people follow you? How can they get involved? How can they book you? Yes, certainly. So uh, if you just like to follow me on social media, uh, it's DJ Lightbright nine three DJ L I T E B R I T E nine three. Really, if you just Google DJ Lightbright, a lot of things will come up. A lot of dope stuff. A lot of cool moments. DJLightbright.com again. DJ L I T E B R I T E dot com. Uh, I've got merchandise on there. I've got my playlists posted. I've got all kinds of playlists, wedding playlists, um, club recaps of what I may have played last at Fassler Hall, uh, just all different types of sorts of stuff, different media. And really, you can read an in-depth bio on who I am. And if you didn't get a good glimpse, you know, right here on the podcast, which I know that we covered a lot and we did hit it, um, you can see more more copy mm-hmm. and a bit more of like a like just a visual representation of who I am and and I just strongly suggest you follow me on Instagram that's where I'm most transparent that's where you can really see a lot of my inner workings of my DJ life my career um, me and my team me and my family and then you know maybe I'm soon to yeah. be my little girl exciting times definitely see my little girl so. that's so awesome man I uh yeah I wish you all the best for that Thank I wish you. you know you and Shelby and the family all the best for that because I don't have kids I'm sure another one's going to be life-changing yes. uh and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more baby shark tunes coming out oh, they, you're going to be watching oh, all these kids oh programs and you're like oh that beat that beat's yes. sick <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what it's going to be I'm going to be like ah, I need to turn this off because I'm yeah, doing Cliff and the big red dog and all the rest of it's probably coming oh, out don't next give me but, don't give me uh, ideas I already play Spongebob edits and different remixes when i when i dj yeah. so 
yeah awesome give me ideas well again thanks so much for coming in and thank you for having me everybody listening definitely check out Jalen and everything that he's doing Uh, and I'm sure you know if you're listening send him a DM you know wish him all the best for his new family and we'll definitely catch you next episode cheers thank you thank you for listening we are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram. This podcast was produced by Mike Hearn and Ian Weston, mixed by Alan Brown, with music by Chad Duro.